Hello, podcasters. Welcome back to Mr. Stroud's History Class. We're going to move forward from Cartier in 1533, and just about 400 years, to 1933. Franklin Delano Roosevelt is about to give his inaugural address. Now, the reason I'm doing this is because we have just passed President Donald John Trump's first 100 days. If you have watched any news, you know that they have been counting down day 50, day 60, day 70, day 88, day 90. I've been asked, where did this come from? Well, I'm going to tell you in this broadcast, this class, the origin of the first 100 days, and then perhaps tell you a little bit about the importance or unimportance of it. To understand what is about to happen when Franklin Delano Roosevelt gives his first inaugural address, a little background. We were in the depths of the worst depression this nation had ever had. What caused that Great Depression? This is what caused it as far as I can tell you. This comes from history classes. This comes from reading. I've had historians say no one will ever know every answer to what caused it. But I will tell you this, podcasters. What I'm going to tell you now is good enough to understand what Franklin Delano Roosevelt is up against. The 1920s. We had three Republican presidents in a row. And Republicans love business. They love laissez-faire. No regulations. Let the good times roll. What's good for GM is good for America. What's good for business is good for America. And it was working. Wages were rising. People were making more money. They went to the five-day work week. In many cases, when I was teaching face-to-face and I was going to give tests over this, I would tell those students who were in class that day, I want you to write this down. Yesterday's luxuries became today's necessities. We'll say that again. Yesterday's luxuries became today's necessities. What does that mean? Well, yesterday, in the 19-teens, only the extremely wealthy could afford an automobile. And I'm going to mention something. They did not know what to call that. Automobile, horseless carriage seemed to be one of the more popular ones. And someone came up finally with a car, C-A-R, car. But in the teens, when only the extremely wealthy could afford one, that was nothing more than a luxury. And then, as income started to rise, and we get the installment plan, yes, you too can afford a brand new automobile. They now became necessities. How many of you live within walking distance of where you work? Where you go to school. That's what the automobile is going to do. It became a necessity. You had to have an automobile. 
Now, there are other examples, refrigerators, electricity. You could make a list and you could have a party where you all brainstorm these things. But this is what's happening in the 1920s. And everybody likes to make money. Raise your hand, podcasters, if you do not like to raise money. And I don't care if you're driving, because I know that hand is not going to go up. And you know where you could make the most money? I will tell you that it was guaranteed. When you went down to the bank to borrow money, to start a business, to buy an automobile, whatever, you had to have collateral. Now, the old joke was you had to prove you didn't need to borrow any money before they let you borrow any money. With one exception. If you promised, and I would suggest maybe getting it notarized, that every penny you borrowed from that bank was going to be invested in the stock market, you needed no collateral. Hundreds, thousands. Can I loan you a few more thousand? Stock market was where you made your money. Up and up and up and up those prices went. There's an old saying, podcasters, can you say it with me? What goes up, and it will. And that stock market was going up and up and up and up. Thursday, October 24th. 1929. Now, the best I can do on the stock market is to give you my little analogy. The reason stocks go up and increase in value is because people think that they're going to become more valuable. You're simply gambling. I'm betting Texaco stock is going to go up because I just found out Texaco has found a new drilling spot and they're going to have gushers and gushers and gushers and I better buy that Texaco stock right now. It's only a dollar a share. It's going to go up. Well, as you buy Texaco stock, it's going to go up because you take what the market will bear. And so it goes up to dollar twenty-five. Oh my gosh, Texaco stock is rising, it's rising, you better get it now. $1.50, $1.75, $2.25, dollars $2 Oh my gosh, look at that Texaco stock. And then, on that Thursday, someone said, I think it's going too high. You better sell short, meaning take a little bit less. A little less is better than nothing. And like the elevator where you punch the floor that you want to go to, and before you got there, the elevator stopped and it starts coming back down. They started selling that stock, selling that stock short. At noon, they took time out to eat lunch, and people called and told people like J.P. Morgan, you better put money into the stock market. And so when they started trading, buying and selling the next time at 1 o'clock, it kind of steadied out. It had a soft landing, and I will promise you they said the same thing when the last time there was a big shakeup in the stock market, as they said, in 1930, 1929. All it was was a slight adjustment. Don't worry. Everything is fine. Friday, buying and selling was about normal. Tuesday, 8 o'clock, it started. 
and then not long after they started buying and selling that elevator stopped and it started coming down they started selling their stock short and the more they sold short the less valuable that stock became and that elevator is coming down and down and down and the further it goes down the faster it's falling they closed at noon to go eat lunch nobody is buying a penny's worth of stock at one o'clock and it continued to fall and when they stopped selling at 5 p.m it had been the worst crash in the history of the stock market nothing before and nothing since has ever been as devastating as that one day in the stock market how much was lost I'm going to tell you, podcasters, you can get on the net, you can look, 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 and they're going to tell you how many shares were traded. That means absolutely nothing to me. And what means something to me, and I bet it does you, dollar signs. How many dollars were lost? One day, October 29th, 1929, one day in the stock market, $31 billion was lost. I'll say that again. $31 billion was lost. Students ask great questions. Many times a student will ask a question that I promise you no other student has ever asked. And it is, let's how, how can I put it, a zinger. I just told a class once what I just told you, and the student raised his hand and said, where did that money go? Well, to me, if it's lost, it's lost. How do I know where it went? That's why it's called lost. I know what he meant. This is the best explanation, because it took me a while. I said, well, you know, it's just, it's just it's lost. And I was thinking about it. You got a better explanation where that money went, you let me know. If you went down and bought some stock and you paid a dollar a share for it, and then on that day, when that 5 p.m. came, what you paid a dollar a share for, you know what it's worth now? 15 cents. Math majors. Courtney? Math majors. How much money was lost on that one share? 85 cents. Where did that money go? Well, when Texaco sold that stock, they got a dollar a share for it. And they used that dollar a share to hire more workers to buy equipment. We call that overhead. That's the best explanation I got of where that went. It was gone with the wind, podcasters. Gone with the wind. A couple of things. Did the stock market cause the Great Depression? No. N-O. We'll say that one more time. The stock market did not cause the Great Depression. Analogy, it's time for another analogy. We love our analogies. If there was a house 
and at 3 a.m. inside that house, the smoke alarm started screaming. The people inside woke up, and they saw not only was there smoke, but what causes smoke? Well, there's smoke. There's got to be, oh, my gosh, there's fire. The house is on fire. Did the smoke alarm cause that fire? No. The stock market was the smoke alarm. The smoke alarm let you know there was a fire. The stock market let you know there was a depression. A depression. Let me tell you something else, podcasters. How many people lost one cent in that stock market crash? I don't have the numbers. I got the percent. I got the percent. On that day, the percent of Americans that lost one penny, two percent, two, two from 100 leaves, what? 98. 98 percent of the American people did not lose a single penny on that great stock market crash. So, podcasters, what was the big deal? This. That 2% that went bankrupt was the 2% you could not afford to go bankrupt. They were the movers and shakers. They owned the businesses. They ran the businesses. That was the worst 2% that could have gone bankrupt in this nation, and they went bankrupt. Listen to what was happening. Well, podcasters, I'm glad you came back because I wanted to add something to the first 100 days. And that is this. That is actually no indication about whether you're going to have a great president or not. Every president except William Henry Harrison, who died before the first 100 days, have had a first 100 days. Now, the best three presidents we had, George Washington, as I told you, number one, Abraham Lincoln, number two, and Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Washington's first 100 days. All right, now, be careful about how you hear this. Nothing. Nothing. He was inventing the presidency. Inventing it. He had no cabinet. Congress was not in session. And yet he becomes the greatest president we ever had. Abraham Lincoln's first 100 days, before he took office, seven states passed ordinances of secession. After 100 days of President Lincoln's administration, they've not even had the first major battle which he is going to lose, and he becomes one of the greatest presidents we ever had. Franklin Delano Roosevelt is a great president. He did more than any other president in the first 100 days. But there's no indication about whether that person is going to be a great president or not just because of the first 100 days. However, the American people, the media, whatever, they do take note of the first 100 days. And I will say this. I do believe they count. 
because it helps tell what type of person we have. But that's the importance of the first hundred days. Overly important, not important, they're still the first 100 days. And the origin was Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Thank you, podcasters.